podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church in a Year. Today is day 113, and we begin with number 836. All men are called to this Catholic unity of the people of God, and to it, in different ways, belong or are ordered the Catholic faithful, others who believe in Christ, and finally, all mankind, called by God's grace to salvation. Fully incorporated into the society of the Church are those who, possessing the Spirit of Christ, accept all the means of salvation given to the Church together with her entire organization, and who, by the bonds constituted by the profession of faith, the sacraments, ecclesiastical government, and communion, are joined in the visible structure of the Church of Christ, who rules her through the Supreme Pontiff and the bishops. Even though incorporated into the Church, One who does not, however, persevere in charity is not saved. He remains indeed in the bosom of the church, but in body, not in heart. The church knows that she is joined in many ways to the baptized, who are honored by the name of Christian, but do not profess the Catholic faith in its entirety or have not (laughs) preserved unity or communion under their successor of Peter. Those who believe in Christ and have been properly baptized are put in a certain, although imperfect, communion with the Catholic Church. With the Orthodox churches, this communion is so profound that it lacks little to attain the fullness that would permit a common celebration of the Lord's Eucharist. Those who have not received the gospel are related to the people of God in various ways. The relationship of the church with the Jewish people. When she delves into her own mystery, the church, the people of God, and the new covenant discovers her link with the Jewish people, the first to hear the word of God. The Jewish faith, unlike other non-Christian religions, is already a response to God's revelation in the Old Covenant. To the Jews belong the sonship, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and of their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. And when one considers the future, God's people of the Old Covenant and the new people of God tend towards similar goals, expectation of the coming or the return of the Messiah. But one awaits the return of the Messiah, who died and rose from the dead and is recognized as Lord and Son of God. The other awaits the coming of a Messiah, whose features remain hidden till the end of time. And the latter waiting is accompanied by the drama of not knowing or of misunderstanding Christ Jesus. The Church's Relationship with the Muslims The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator in the first place amongst whom are the Muslims. They profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. The Church's bond with non-Christian religions is in the first place the common origin and end of the human race. All nations form but one community. This is so because all stem from the one stock which God created to people the entire earth, and also because all share a common destiny, namely God. His providence, evident goodness, and saving designs extend to all against the day when the elect are gathered together in the holy city. Father Jack. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, it's important to see um, when we're talking about um, who belongs to the church and, and the relationship um, you know, of, of individuals with the church, is the church speaking about herself as this kind of 
for lack of a better word, an analogy of a bodily and spiritual spiritual element, right? Just like man has this composite being of a, of a spiritual element that gives greater power to the body itself. So there's the physical, what we can see in a person, which is the body, but the soul is the deeper part and truly the more important part of of who man is. Well, the church is similar, <laughs> is that there is a deeper spiritual element to what the physical visible structure of the church is now you know you'll hear a lot of debate about what it means to um return to the church um and and especially when we're talking about uh, larger institutions right not the individual the individual has a a duty to um accept the full means of salvation right you don't get to you know get to heaven because of partial acceptance of the gospel, right? <laughs> you know, but um, when it comes to could the Orthodox return to, to the Catholic Church or could uh, Lutherans or Methodists or whoever, you know, whatever denomination you're talking about, it, there is a certain necessity for, for return to the visible structures of the church, right? The, to recognize the, the Supreme Pontiff and the bishops and their authority, um, but also to accept what what is right worship, right? Um, and so why do why do Put that in there. Put that out there to be able to say, but the the fullness of salvation is the deeper, or or who can be saved, right? Comes in that in that deeper part of who the church is. All are saved in the church, right, and through the church, but that that power doesn't necessarily mean what is physically seen, right? So. Um, so how does that work? It well because because the power of the church is the power of God, not because the church has control over God, but because God has has chosen the church to be that instrument of salvation. And we refer to ourselves, the church refers to herself as the sacrament of salvation, the visible sign of the grace that is poured out. But what we know of grace is that God's not bound by the sacraments, right? That that He uses them so that we can be guaranteed. Our, our knowledge of what's happening, but, and we, we see this very, you know, it's, it's very delicate balance, I get that, but that God can work outside of the church, though he chooses to work inside it. So when it comes to, you know, what our, our role is, like, yeah, we have a role in, in maintaining and restoring the unity of the church, of that, that interior disposition of full acceptance of the gospel in terms of both what is preached and practiced, uh, both in worship and in deed. But also we have um, that, that responsibility to recognize it's God doing the work. And so we have to give him what is his, right? to be just to God, which is religion, um, to be just towards God and saying that he doesn't need the church to save, um, but he chooses it. And so his work can be done even outside the visible structure of the church. So that's why it's worth reflecting on. What does it mean for, for a non-Christian? For a non-Christian who accepts the gospel fully, it's a little easier. And even though they might not see that the church is the fullness of what the gospel is, that is that is something that God will work out. When it comes to non-Christians, we still see that there is the work of Christ always, always is what saves man. So whether it is uh, for, for a Jewish person or Muslim or or a non-Christian, it is always because Christ has done the work. It is It is never... A, a Muslim is saved because he he was a good Muslim. He was saved always because of the power of Christ. A Jewish person isn't saved because they were a good Jew. It was because Christ saves them. But notice how 
the catechism describes it, whether Christian, whether Catholic, Christian, Jew, Muslim, or non-Christian, it is always, there's always the same requirement of persevering in charity. It is never a guarantee of ours just that we can rest on our laurels. We have this duty to celebrate and or this duty to to persevere in that charity because that is what God has has called us to and that's what he did. He showed us that we can do it. He showed us the way as the way um, to be able to say yes to that. No matter where we're at in that, it is always that that maintaining charity to the very end that truly, which includes uh, recognizing and accepting the gospel as it is presented to us, that is truly necessary no matter where we're at, to be able to say yes to God and to be saved by him.